0: Good morning. How are you today? It's uh, January 24th. Welcome back to spring in New Orleans. Yeah, and welcome back to another premature ejection from the playoffs for all of us Saints fans. I mean, look out, right? But you know, there's no group of people that I love more than the people in New Orleans because we know how to battle We know how to overcome. We know how to continue to take things that come our way and to see forward and to have faith and to be able to see God's best in the midst of all things. That's who you are and I am truly grateful to be with you this morning in worship. Welcome to our online family as well. We are grateful for you and especially um, welcome to those of you who have been overcoming and battling sickness. Uh, One of our Dear friends and family members here at Calvary went home from the hospital this week after the battle with the virus. And you are home and well, and I told you that you would be. That's right. Because we together prayed for your healing as well as many of you. And you know who you are, our dear friend in Houston. And you are being prayed for. You're going to beat cancer. You're going to. Because we, the people gathered here at Calvary by faith, are praying for you and for your healing and for your family. And so that's going to happen. And we reach out to all of you who are there today, wherever you are, with whatever it is you're battling. And today we are going to bring to you a message of hope. We've been talking about how God made us to be heart, soul, mind, and strength. And today I'm going to talk to you about The third part of what Jesus says about who you are. He said it very clearly. You as people, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And So we talked about what it meant to love God with all of your heart. With all of your soul. Last week we talked about what it means to have a healthy soul. And today we're going to talk about what Jesus says when he says... Love the Lord your God with all of your mind. What does it mean to love the Lord with all of your mind? What does it mean to have a healthy mind? Next week we'll finish this introductory series to the year on healthy living. Because I want you to live healthy. We'll finish with loving the Lord your God with all of your strength. And see that's the thing. Is in our world what you hear is the decompartmentalization of who you are. Most of our lives as people are focused on one component of who we are, or maybe two. But that's not how you were designed to function and live healthy in God's family. I mean, the truth is, um, many of us, as we've already turned the corner into 2021, your, your, your goal was to live healthy in your physical world, and that would be your strength. But to only do that neglects your soul. And if you only focus on your soul, then you will neglect your heart. And if you also only focus on your heart, you will neglect your mind. And today, the reality of what we're going to talk about on this morning is the greatest battle that every single one of us face is the battle for what's above your neck and behind your eyes. That's the greatest battle that you will ever face. The greatest battle that you personally will face and you will fight in this world is not going to be your physical battle. It's actually going to be how you think about your physical battle. Your greatest battle is not going to be for the health of your heart. It's how you think about what you give your heart to or who you give your heart to. The greatest battle that all of us will fight is how we think. And healthy living means that we have to learn to fight that battle the right way. Let me give you the life lesson today as we talk about this component of your being. This component of our health. And how do we live healthy fighting for our minds. Well the life lesson today is we think about the battle for our minds This is what I encourage you to write down. The battle for the mind is won by identifying the false imaginations in our head and taking them captive in obedience to the reality of Christ. Let me say that again. For those of you taking notes, you have a moment to write that down and I encourage you to do so. Because I want you to win this battle. We all, as a part of living healthy in the family of God, we have to battle for the mind, for the thoughts, for the direction that they go. And therefore, the battle for the mind, we win that. The battle for the mind is won by identifying the false imaginations that are in our heads. And we take them captive in obedience to the reality of Christ. The difference between the false imaginations, the way that we think and the things that we believe are reality versus the reality of Christ and living in obedience to him and taking our thoughts captive in obedience to him. As I think about um, this topic today in our minds, if you listen to a lot of Thinking, a lot of culture, even pop culture, a lot of music, there's a lot of talk about what goes on in our minds. Our thoughts drive action, our thoughts determine action. The way that we think is not disconnected from how we act. If you watch the news, what you will see is that the reactions of people are based on their thinking. The way that people respond to other people in the world, it's based on how they think about them. Or how they think about themselves. And the elevation of our thinking in a culture that knows it all and has it all figured out is a very dangerous thing. Because all it takes is one group of people and all you have to do is read history. And look at any point in history where one group of people thinks that they know better and they are better psychologically, mentally, intellectually than any other group, and watch what happens. Destruction always follows. The way we think dictates how we act. Um, Tyler Joseph is a lyrical genius of the group 21 Pilots, and uh, one of the songs that I have listened to uh, recently is holding on to you and it talks about the mind and he talks about how in our minds the kaleidoscope behind our eyes it will cause us to think things and respond to things and we have to fight it ignite it we have to tie it up and we have to tell it you belong to me you are going to be obedient to me you don't own me I own you we have to tell our thoughts to go in the right direction. And how do we do that? Well, the battle for our mind, it's won. When we can identify the imaginations that occur within our heads and we take them captive in reality to who Christ is for us as his children. Why should we love God with our minds? Uh, Why is it written in each one Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. As a matter of fact, if you take this repetition that is found in the Gospels, the one that we focus on the most, our strength, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's actually left out. The strength part is actually left out, which tells you that in one of the Gospel writers, as he was listening to Jesus, it's actually the physical That is the least importance that would be excluded in one of the gospel writers as he records that. Why? Because your heart, your soul, and your mind determine everything else about how you live. It's all wrapped up in who and what you love, how much your soul is clean before God, and how you think about your living. And then that will determine physically how you respond to everything else. We're going to talk about that. But let's begin today by talking about why we should learn why it's important to love the Lord our God with our minds. Well, first of all, we have to acknowledge that there is a battle for your mind. There is a battle that goes on for your mind. It is a real battle. Now, now before um, you take your particular political bit, whatever that may be, and you may say, well, this side... Gives this propaganda, and that side gives this propaganda. Um, all propaganda comes from somewhere. Okay, the reality is all propaganda comes from somewhere, and and the mistaken thinking of our world is that we are going to pin that propaganda on our opponent or our enemy or our person who believes different than us or thinks different from us. Remember, it's the power of your thinking that dictates your action. But there is a greater battle that goes on inside of you, and it's beyond political, it's beyond pandemics. There are these personal battles that we all fight. The mind and the battle for the mind is real, and it's going to look different in each and every one of you as you battle through whatever it is that is a part of your flesh, your strength, your body, whatever it is that's a part of you, you're going to battle over your thoughts your entire life. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says this For though we walk in the flesh, that's what we see, that's the strength, that's the body. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The battle is not of the flesh, in other words. But the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pull down. The pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And we are bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now this passage helps you and I understand that the battle in the mind is a spiritual battle. The bent of the mind is toward the things that would exalt themselves against God. Intelligence that exalts exalts itself against God instead of acknowledging that all intelligence and all of life flows from God. Instead of acknowledging that our lives are to be in submission and taken captive in obedience to Christ... Instead, what we see in our lives naturally and in our culture and in those around us is the exaltation of our thinking, of our processing, and our intelligence above others. And ultimately, yes, we would dare to say it, but ultimately we think we know better than God. Just read the headlines of even the past week, and you will see that we elevate certain intelligence above anything else. Well, if that intelligence and the ability of humans to solve everything was so great, we would have solved everything. The reality is we've barely solved our most basic problems of life, and yet we continue to think that we have all the answers. The battle is not a carnal battle. It is a spiritual battle. The battle for the mind and the battle for your thoughts is a spiritual battle. And the way that you win that battle is to be able to acknowledge that anything exalted against God needs to be humble. And any thought that goes out of bounds in Christ's obedience for your life, that thought needs to be lassoed. ...tied up and held in obedience to Christ and told, no, 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 you will not wander free. No, you belong to me and you belong to him. There's this reality that thinking dictates action. And we have to win the battle of what's going on up here. And it is, my friends, a battle. It's a battle. The obedience to Christ part is very important... Because when I think about that, well, um, to take my thoughts' obedience to Christ, um, that kind of insinuates on a surface reading that, well, I have to. Or I've got to do this. Hold on just a second. The obedience to Christ is actually a positive expression of your faith. Because in obedience to Christ, who does Christ and God want you to be? Do they want you to be less than or better? Do they want you to be fulfilled or without? Does the Spirit of God drive you to be a creative individual and overcoming the obstacles and the challenges that maybe even are presented to you in your mind? Does God want you to overcome that or does he want you to become a victim to that and fall to that? He wants you to overcome. Being obedient to Christ is your victory. Taking thoughts captive, saying, I can't can overcome this in Christ. I will take that negative direction, those voices that pull me down, those things that want to lead me astray. I will take them and I will make them submit to what I know Christ has said is good about me. Isn't that powerful? And that's the way That you begin to recognize this battle, it has to be fought. And it has to be fought the right way because it's a battle for your mind. For every one of us, a battle for our mind. So you have to learn to take it captive in obedience to Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says this. Satan, does it get any clearer than that? Who is the God of this world? He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So most of the time, the battle that we are fighting is not a battle against another person that you're looking at or a a, a different culture or a different way of thinking. The battle is... That there is a God of this world who's really good at blinding the minds of unbelievers. And if we're not careful of believers who do not see the glorious light of Christ shining on their life. And receive the glorious light which means life of Christ shining into their heads. This is the battle that's going on. I, I could go through the scripture and show you more and more about the reality that the battle is a mental battle. How a person thinks, so they are. And that is a reality. So learning to fight the battle is important. That's why we must learn to love the Lord our God with our mind. Number two, secondly, why should we fight this battle? Because how we think affects the rest of our being. How we think affects the rest of our being. How we think affects our hearts. How we think affects our soul. And how we think affects our flesh, our strength. If we think that we can conquer it, then we will conquer it. If we don't think we can conquer it, and we get weak in the mind, then all kinds of things begin to unfold and unravel in our lives. Uh, My dear friend, as he was battling through COVID and spent over 11 days with the faithful people at one of our local hospitals who did a phenomenal job to care for him and to help him battle through um, a, a real deep, really one of those strains of the viruses that really could be detrimental to him. And one of the challenges for him was the mind. I mean, think about it. Am I going to get through this? Will I make it? Is this my last moment? Have I seen the people that I love the most? Have you ever had a moment where your thought process begins to unravel? And when your thought process begins to unravel, when it spins out of control, what happens to the rest of you? Your soul gets dark, your loves get lost, and your strength begins to fail. How we think affects every other part of our being. The Bible says this in Psalm 13 verse 2, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Notice the connection. As David writes this, he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts And by the way, what I love about the Psalms is David is very honest about seasons of his life that are deep, that are challenging, that are dark at some times. And in this moment, he writes, I'm wrestling with my thoughts. And therefore, because my thoughts are not in the right place, what happened to his heart? I have sorrow in my heart. And because he then has sorrow in his heart, what does he acknowledge? I am being defeated by my enemies. Now, what happens so many times for us is we think the enemies." Are physical, but it all begins with the mental. If I begin to have thoughts, as David said, that are overcoming me day after day, then all of a sudden they put a pressure on my heart, and then they put a pressure on my mind. And I have defeated myself before I ever went to battle, before I ever went out into the world. I have defeated myself before I took one step out there. This is real, ladies and gentlemen. This is real, as you know, for many of you and for many of you online. And therefore, learning how to battle to take your mind captive in obedience to Christ allows you then to strengthen your heart, to strengthen your soul, and to strengthen your actions. They are all connected Uh, This past Wednesday night, uh, I I shared part of the portion of the story of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. uh, An amazing story in our prayer and worship night. Uh, If you missed that, I hope that you tune in because it was a great evening of prayer. But from Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, there's this verse. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Hey, it's written in scripture. Have you ever had a moment where your mind is troubled and you couldn't sleep? This is the king, by the way, of the greatest empire in history up to that time. This is the king. This is the ruler of the nation of Babylon, that empire that was ruling over. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who, by the way, had taken over God's people during that season of life. This king has these dreams. And his mind is troubled And he couldn't sleep. How we think and what's going on up here affects the rest of our being. There is a connection, which by the way, if you go and read through the rest of the book of Daniel, what a great solution that's better than melatonin, by the way. Daniel speaks truth into Nebuchadnezzar's life. Daniel speaks God's thinking into Nebuchadnezzar's world. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar comes to peace again in his mind. Great story. But the connection is clear. The connection is what's going on up here affects the rest of our being. Romans chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. He's talking about his soul. I delight in the law of God, in what God says in my inner being. But I see in my members, that's my flesh, another law waging war against the law of my mind. And it makes me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Now this is that great passage where Paul reveals the struggle that we all feel about knowing the truth of God as present in our soul. But battling so hard in our flesh and in our thinking. That's what Paul writes about in Romans 7 and Romans 8. And the conclusion is a beautiful thing. But I don't want to go to the conclusion yet because I want you to see the connection. Is that your soul is right with God. But the way that we think causes the battle in our flesh and in our minds to take effect in our actions. How we think affects every other part of our being. And that's why this battle, learning to love the Lord your God with your mind, is so important for all of us to live healthy. And that's way more than what you eat, where you go, what you do. It's how you think. Is how you think about it affects everything else. Number three, why should we love the Lord our God with our mind? Why would Jesus say this? Well, it's very simple. There's a lot of foolish thinking in the world. There's a lot of foolish thinking in the world. Why should we love the Lord our God with all of our mind? Because there's a lot of silly thinking and foolish thinking Out there now again before you start pointing fingers at someone else um, just remember there's always three pointing back at you because every bit of foolish thinking starts with somebody and it's interesting because foolish thinking if we're not careful we buy into it cities nations cultures buy into it and the Bible says this in first Corinthians chapter 2 but a natural person a natural person A natural person, a person just doing life being normal. So a natural person. They do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them, to him or to her. And they cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things. For he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we, Paul talking to believers, followers of Jesus, redeemed in soul by the sacrifice of Christ, we have the mind of Christ. So there is this separation between, or at least there should be this separation, between the natural person... And the natural thinking and the spiritual person who has spiritual thinking. And before you go, yeah, it's one thing to be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I get that because I've heard that and I've met those people as well. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about the reality that those who have the mind of Christ and let the thoughts of Christ dictate their thinking... They function way better in the world that is. And they function and have better things occurring for them in their actions. Because they're not just following natural patterns that everyone else follows. The natural person thinks natural thoughts. They do what they want. They go their own way. That's the way it happens. But the spiritual person. The spiritual person lets their thoughts be taken captive. In obedience to Christ. And they acknowledge that I don't want to surrender to foolish teaching of people that will lead me in foolish directions, that will cause my actions to go in a direction that is not of God. No, instead, I want my thinking to be put in submission to the one who knows it all. The one who knows it all. And I'm going to be honest when you look around and when you listen, you see very few people who are willing to submit themselves to him. Most people, Christians included, we want to submit ourselves to no one except ourselves, And that's foolish thinking. The truth is, All of the foolish thinking out there will not lead you to God's best. But when you align your thoughts with who he is, God wants the best for your life every time. And that's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We need to love the Lord our God with our mind because, yes, there's a lot of foolish thinking out there. And finally, we need to love him with all of our mind because we need some higher thinking. We need some higher intelligence. We need some higher learning. And by the way, that doesn't come just because you paid a mint to go to that school. Higher thinking, it comes from the Lord. Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. What a great passage. We need to love the Lord, our God, because his thoughts are just better. His way of teaching us to think, it just works. His ways lead to a better destination. And yet so many times in the battle, we won't acknowledge, we won't see, we won't surrender, and we will exalt other thinking, and we're losing the battle. So if we don't want to do that, if we want to win the battle for our mind, how do we do that? How do you win the battle for your mind? Well, number one, learning to win the battle for your mind is to start to listen to the right voices in your life, listening to the right voices in your head. And the greatest voice that we should allow to speak is the Spirit of God. We need to learn to let the Spirit of God speak. We need to learn to let the Holy Spirit speak. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life. And peace. Now, I want you to think about this truth from Scripture for just a moment. Um, In your thinking, would you rather your thinking lead you to live and to live in peace and to live in joy and in fulfillment of all that God has for you and all that God would say to you and all that God would speak to you through His Spirit? Or would you rather exchange that for a life of natural thinking, of fleshly thinking, that leads to a path that is less than? Which would you rather have? And learning how to win the battle for your mind is learning to listen to God. There's a whole book full of it, by the way but the holy spirit is the guide for scripture never contradicting god's truth by the way always validating god's truth always using scripture to supplement scripture to speak the truth of the revelation and the redemption of jesus over your life and therefore listening to his spirit versus the spirit of the world the spirit of god will lead you to life and peace does your thinking lead you to life and peace Or does your thinking lead you in pathways that create more stress, more defeat, more discouragement, more doubt, more depression? Which is it? And the voice of the Holy Spirit will always speak against the voice of the enemy in your life. The voice of the Holy Spirit will always speak against the voice of the enemy in your life. Why? Because God loves you. And he doesn't want you defeated in your thinking. He wants you victorious in your thinking. Therefore, if I want to win that battle that wages up here in so many of us, if I want to win that battle, my thinking has to be dominated by listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to speak because the voice of God leads to life and peace. Isn't that good? Number two, how do I win the battle in my mind? I have to work, and I'm going to add hard. We have to work hard to protect our minds. Garbage in, garbage out. Every time. If we fill our minds with things of this world, what is natural. If, if we fill our minds with things that are just not healthy for us. What we think and what we allow to dominate up here will flow out. Garbage in, garbage comes out every time. So to defeat that pattern in the world and in your life as a follower of Jesus or as someone who knows that God loves them, then therefore we have to work. And I'm going to say work hard to protect our mind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. The apostle Peter writes, and I love this. Wherefore, I use the King James Version because I, I love the deep English there. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind? I mean, now, this, yes, it, it references that spiritual warfare passage in Ephesians where the armor of God that we talk about to battle spiritually, well, there are pieces to it. There's the helmet of salvation, right? That protects your mind, right? And then there's the sword of the Spirit, but there's this portion of girding up yourself with the loins of truth. Well, the Bible here in 1 Peter referencing that is saying, hey, gird up with truth the loins that are up here. (laughs) Protect yourself. Up here, guard yourself up here and prepare for a battle up here as you guard your mind with truth. Do that so that you can hope to the end for the grace. Don't we all need grace? That is to be brought to us. Aren't you grateful for that? At the revelation of Jesus Christ, you gird up the loins of your mind. So that you never give up hope in the grace that we need. That is going to have to be present until Jesus returns. What does that tell you? It tells you that we have to protect our mind because it's going to be a battle. And that battle will not be complete until Jesus shows up again. Oh man, you mean I've got to work my entire life to take my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ? Yes, and you can. Why? How can you? Because there is grace for you. In the revelation of who Jesus is for you, there is grace over those moments where you're strong in your thinking and where you're weak, where your actions are strong and where your actions are weak. But you've got to continue to battle. You cannot ever give up on the fight because there is a day that is coming when Jesus will show up again. And yes, he's going to fix it, straighten it all out. But until he does, fight the battle, gird up the loins of your mind. We have to take control. And work hard to protect our minds. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and what? Your minds as you what? Live in Christ Jesus. His peace, we need peace. We need peace in our world. But peace in our world begins with peace in our heads, peace in our thinking. And how do we get peace in our thinking? Well, his peace will guard our hearts and guard our minds. How? As we live in Christ Jesus. As we think and take control of our thinkings in Christ Jesus. As we think things that honor Christ Jesus. That elevate him and diminish us. That allow him to be number one and us to be number two. And as we do those things, that is working to protect your mind. And remember this. Just as Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. These are plans for your good. They are not against you. They're not to hold you back. These are for your prosperity. The thinking of God toward your life as a human being here on earth until he returns is not to punish you and not for you to be defeated and not for you to be put down, but to thrive. And to thrive that way, we have to bring our thoughts into submission to him, living in Christ so that we can begin to think, he wants me victorious just like he's going to be victorious when he shows up again. Oh, and by the way, I'm on that team. They never get beat out of the playoffs. (laughs) They never lose. Jesus will always win. And when you begin to think that way, then you will begin to act that way. And there is no law that can contain you at that point. There is no thinking that can bring you down at that point. You will thrive. You will succeed. You will overcome. You will push through because you've taken control of what's happening up here. It's a powerful principle working to protect our minds. Number three, how can we take control of the battle of the mind and win that? Well, we talked about the fact that there's a lot of foolish thinking in the world. So we also have to identify and avoid corrupt Teaching. It is important to identify and avoid corrupt teaching. And a smart mind, a strong mind, is able to read between the music and see what the lyrics say. A smart mind, an intelligent mind, a strong mind in Christ, is able to look b- beyond the latest speech and see what's really being said. A strong mind that knows, wait a minute, that teaching doesn't add up. That thinking, now that's corrupt. To be able to look and identify those things, it's an art form, but it's how you win the battle for your thoughts. Otherwise, someone else will take captive of your thoughts for you and lead you astray. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3-5. through five, If any man teaches otherwise and consent not to wholesome words... "...even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, that person is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words." Whereof cometh envy, and strife, and railings, and evil surmisings, and perverse disputings of people of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. It's in the book of 1 Timothy. And, and by the way, it wouldn't be a popular passage if you're on the receiving end of that, right? It wouldn't be something you would enjoy. But notice what things thinking brings, strife, hatred, division, brokenness, a lack of truth, all of these things are identified, oh, and by the way, from an unintelligent generation written somewhere in the first century A.D. I think he had a pretty good psychological bead on our society today long before we got to be the most intelligent population on earth, Right? Bad thinking leads to strife, distress, destruction. And therefore, we have to learn to identify it. Uh, I can see it. You're good at hiding it, but I can see it. And when I see it, I've got to avoid it. From such thinking, withdraw thyself. For example, if you've ever been in an intellectual argument with someone else, have you ever won? Think about it. Now, surely there might have been a judge or a jury that decided that, but have you ever won the argument and you were right? Sure, but did you win? No. All right, so think about it on their end. Are they ever going to stop and say, you know what, I'm wrong and you're right. Have you been in too many of those situations? No, you haven't. And the only way to be able to walk through a world that is that way is to guard what is up here, to submit it to the Lord Jesus Christ wholesomeness, the words of Jesus, to doctrine that increases godliness in this living, to avoid pride, doting about things and strife that doesn't matter, envy, strife, railings, evil, perverse, corruption, destitute of truth, all of those things, you can identify those in the thinking. And therefore, if you can't win that argument, step away. Avoid it. Because you will wrangle over words with people forever. But once you identify false thinking and you can't do anything, you just step away. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. Naturally, he's insinuating that the children of God should be pure. Those redeemed by Jesus. So to the pure... All things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions deny Him. Titus is a one-chapter book. Wow! Because he talks about this reality that even in his generation... There are people who are trying to live pure lives, holy lives, seeking after Christ. But to those who don't believe and are corrupted, nothing is pure. It doesn't lead to purity. It doesn't lead to health. It doesn't lead to physical, emotional, spiritual, or mental health. In fact, both their minds and their consciences are severed. They're corrupted. They have no conscience over the outcome of what they think, say, or do. And they claim to know God. They claim to know truth, but by their actions, they deny him. It's an important principle to understand in the battle for our mind. Yeah, we have to identify and avoid corrupt teaching. Number four, how do you win the battle for your mind? Learning to change your thinking is important. Learning to change your thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, a great verse Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't copy, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you like the things that are good and pleasing and perfect? Then change your thinking. When you think it's all bad, there's probably a lot of good going on. And when you think it's all falling apart, if you turn your thinking to Christ and you let him change the way you think about it, he's probably working out his will, even in a pandemic, even in a shutdown, even in a culture that's challenged. You'll probably find that God is working out something on your behalf that is good and pleasing and perfect. That's how you change your thinking. You begin to think about God's good instead of the world's bad. You begin to think about God's will instead of Satan's destruction. You begin to take your mind, lasso it, tie it up and say, you belong to me, you are in obedience to me, not me to you. I'm taking you captive in obedience to Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22, that in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourselves of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed where? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. It has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. When I allow God to renew my mind, the spirit of my mind, then I begin to have my thoughts bent in the direction. Righteousness, Being right with God. Holiness. Wholesome living. And truth. Truth that goes beyond what people think or say. It gives you a foundation for living and thinking. Changing our thinking to think the way that God wants us to think. Helps us battle and overcome the challenges that we face in the world. The last one is to develop the mind of Christ. Develop the mind of Christ. Earlier when we read... That to those who are following Christ, they are ones who can spiritually discern truth because they have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, though, is one of those beautiful passages in Scripture that describes very fully, from about verse 1 to about verse 10, 11, 12, very fully what the mind of Christ is. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement in your life from being united with Christ... If you have any comfort from being loved by him. If there is any common sharing in the spirit. If there is any tenderness and compassion. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love. Being one in spirit and being of one mind. In Philippians, Paul goes on to write and he says that. You should humble yourself and see others as greater than yourself. To take on the mind of Christ is to be like Christ, who existed in the image of God, and yet he did not see that as something to grasp. But he humbled himself, and he took on the form of a servant. Yes, a bond servant And he was obedient to God. Obedient even unto the point of death. Wherefore then God has exalted him highly above everyone else, and to Jesus he has given the name which is above every name and so that every person in every knee both in heaven and on earth and under the earth they will bow before jesus it is that name that is above every other name and how do you get there how do you experience that kind of power how do you get your thinking pushed in the right direction so that you can overcome and you can be healthy in heart and soul and mind and strength. You bow the mind to Christ. You take the thoughts captive and you lasso them up and you say, no, you will be obedient to Jesus. I will win because I am going to be obedient to Jesus. I will overcome because it is the thoughts of Jesus. He is the one who is exalted, not me, but him and every tongue will confess and Every knee will bow before him, the son of God, because this is what God has said. Child of God today, that is what God has said about your mind. That is what God has said to you about your thinking. And healthy living is about taking the mind and saying, I need to develop the mind of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, and this is the one with which I will close. This is the covenant or the promise that God says, I will make with you. At that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in your hearts and I will write my truth in your mind. A mind that is working to develop the thoughts of Christ to take those thoughts that lead us astray into the places that God never intended us to go, to take them captive in obedience to Christ, that's a healthy mind. And God wants you to be healthy in all of your heart, in all of your soul, and in all of your mind. Next week, I'll finish this series, what it means to love the Lord, your God, with all of your strength. But this morning, how about we pray and ask God to redeem our thinking. Father, as we bow, both in the room and online, acknowledging that we think we know it all, right now, we humble ourselves. And we ask you for the mind of Christ. There are thoughts in this room and in our online family that need to be taken into captivity and in obedience to you, Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that for everyone right now. There are men and women, students, boys and girls today who have lived natural, but now who need to live spiritual, who need to begin a relationship with you, Jesus, to change their heart and their mind and their direction of life. So for those right now who know they need a new pathway, a new way of thinking, a new relationship with you, God, I pray you will enter their hearts through Christ by faith in a saving way. And would you allow this church, your people, to live healthy in what we think and in how we approach you in Jesus' name? Amen.